Okay, at the end of Perak Tezayin, we saw that the family members, his brothers, probably other family members, came to find Shimshin. But Derek Nais, he was thrown in the opposite direction, not covered by the rubble of the people. And the body wasn't captured. And they went uh, deep into enemy territory to bury him. Question is, why is that mutter? Assuming it was risky, it certainly was. The question is, how risky? So there are two different aspects here. One is that he was a shefet, be Yisrael, which has a din of a melech, legabe, many things. They didn't cover a malchus. They did the same thing with Shaul. And they felt more required to do so than for anybody else, and rightfully so. They were successful. It was a calculated risk. It wasn't anything near Khalila suicide mission, or else uh, they would not have done it. It wouldn't have been mutter. The question is, unfortunately, Leolainu in real-time situations today, it's Israel, is this mutter? So everybody recognizes that Maker Adin as Choshev as Kavanameses, you don't put yourself in Sakana for Kavananifter, real Sakana. There's always an element to Sakana, especially in the front lines. It's also an aspect of the morale of the soldiers, because if the body is captured or Khalila mutilated, things like that, it's not going to be good for morale of the general people and of the people fighting. And that's taken into consideration. I'm not saying that the way they do it today, they ask all the shailas, and unfortunately we've had situations where they were bartering terrorists for bodies of the term and letting them back out to becomes a real sakana. So I'm not saying it's done right all the time. I'm not saying they ask shailas, but Lamaisa, there is such a consideration of the general morale, even though on paper it wouldn't work out. That wouldn't necessarily apply over here. We don't need it over here. Over here it's a Shiloh Kavanah Malchus and the mysterious nefesh he had for the people. Would he want them to put themselves in danger? No. These are his own family members, even people from Klai Yisrael. But they did it over here and there's no criticism in Chazal, nor was there when it came to Shoal, though by Shoal, one of the reasons given that he was allowed to ask to be killed before he was captured is that he felt they'd put themselves in Sakana to get him. So there is a remez to that uh, Shaila, and Lamaisa over there, uh, maybe it wasn't as deep into enemy territory as the scene of the battle over here. They went into Plishtim territory very, very deep. It was successful, and he was buried with Manayach, and showing his sitkus, we know Menach was a tzaddik. Was he a relative Amar to certain things that were done or said? But he was a tzaddik and uh, the expression law Amar chasid. Not the comment on Menach, but an important understanding. Chasidis is uh, Madrega above tzaddik. Take an extra hidurim in, uh, in Yoni Precious. You have to be a more serious Tamachacham to be able to know that because you'd have to be able to weigh what's considered a Chumrah, what's not, what's necessary at that time, what's good for you, what's allowed. So Amar Chasid is Bedafka. You can have a well-intended person who's doing things basically right. He could be a Tzaddik, but 
can't be a chassid with that level of uh, amaratzis because it's all about midos measuring and balance. Interesting diak. So Manayach Lamaisa, with all the Madrashim together, was a very chash of a person, and you see that they rightfully viewed Shimshin as the Shafit and as the Moshiach of the damage that he did in his lifetime and after his lifetime, 20 years after, according to one Chazal, and they recognized all that, and the din is he can't be buried next to somebody who is a low Madrega or higher Madrega, if it's clear that that is the differential, and over here, it was fine to bury him next to Manayach, which tells you something we already know, but they recognized it, despite the fact that during his lifetime he was probably very misunderstood by many people. That ends the parak of Shimshon, the parasha of Shimshon, and it took us quite a few months, as it should. The next two, as I mentioned, are in many ways even more complex. It's also about individual people, but the backdrop is the damage that it will do to Klai Yisrael, and therefore more explaining will be needed. And the first question we have to deal with is when did this take place? Perikid Zion is Pesamicha, which will begin. And I'm only trying to figure out when it took place in terms of the interaction with the Galach who's going to come, who comes from a very Cheshva background. He's not necessarily trying to be a Galach. He thinks it's just a job. And then the stealing of the Pesamicha by Shevet Dun, the parts of Shevet Dun, and the general Kitrug on Klai Yisrael, that this operation, as small as it might be in the backdrop of the rest of Klai Yisrael, Shilo is standing, people are bringing Kabonis every day, there are a lot more people not doing Avodah Zarah than are doing Avodah Zarah. Lamaisa, it was there, noticeable enough that there should have been a Mechama against it. Machos, there certainly were. And uh, one of the drushes of uh, Yeravim ben Nevat, we're going to see in the Gemara and Perichelik soon, is that he caused a lot of machlekes in Klai Yisrael. What was the machlekes? You would think the machlekes is because he lowered the madrega, and then people got to doing Averas, and they weren't happy people. That's all probably true. But the direct machlekes is people were doing Avarazar, and then good people were making machos, and they got into fights about it which is what a macha will cause. That's not a critique on the people making the macha, that's a critique of the people not accepting the Musar and still doing a Vodazar. Lamaisa, this was, despite the fact that we're good people, I'm sure at all times making a macha, there was not enough of a macha, and they didn't put a stop to it. Why? Started off in the middle of the country, I can't even say they didn't notice it. It ended up for many more years Way up north by Sheva Dun. Remember the beginning of Shevetim, we pointed out that Dun ended up conquering the part they had in the middle and then going way up north and conquering a second piece, which was not even attached. And we're going to have to explain in this parak where was that? The big machlekes? Was it Neri Tisrael or Chutzlaret? Makes a big difference. If it's a Chutzlaret, you're allowed to conquer it. That's a Mohammed Sashos, and you can annex it halachically. And that's if you have no room in Neri Tisrael. Let's assume they felt they had no room. That's why they're conquering more. Still, it's um, choosing to live in Chutzlaretz. Every Yardim is a low madrega. Chutzlaretz, even after it is brought in halachically, is still a low madrega. It's just all proper. I mention that now because when we get to it, you're going to see that they're going to rave about the area. They're going to tell their people, 
their co-shevet uh, uh, constituents. This is Gavaldik, and this is as good as Eitz Yisrael, and it's fantastic, we've got to move here. Uh, the people talking like that were actually Ganovim, and of Devarazar. Besides whatever they fooled themselves into when they kept the rest of the mitzvahs. I'm not saying they didn't keep the rest of the mitzvahs, but there were issues there. So you see the way they're talking already, especially according to Mandamer, it wasn't an Eitz Yisrael proper, it was kind of overdone in the complimentary form they treated a piece of chutzlars, which halachically they can annex or not, but Lamaisa, it shows who we're dealing with. But we're not there yet. Right now we're starting off with one individual and his mother, and we have to figure out who he was when this took place. One of the more mysterious individuals, we'll see from Chazal, he did more damage than almost anyone, maybe even Yeruvim ben He's up there in the top 10. I say the top 10 because Chazal have a list of 10. You say, why would they make a list of 10? We have four in the Mishnah and Sanhedrin and Perichelik. Why 10? So, as a medrash, we're going to see that goes through the Aseris Adibris and lists the who's who, unfortunately, of the people who did the most damage, each one against each one of the Aseris Adibris. And you'll never guess who has the first two of Anachi Hashem and Lohiya. So it's quite uh, tragic, but Micha and Yeravim are there. Now, there are a lot of other of Devazar, you have Menashe, but okay, there are many Mandamim. He did Shuva, Yechon Paskas, he did Shuva, and he's the head of the chamber of the Bali Shuva in uh, Shemayim. And there are Makarius Apikabala that Menashe was actually a Gogol of Micha, which is not surprising, and hopefully if he did Shuva, there was a Tikkun there eventually. But we can't look at the Tikkun, we have to first see what went wrong. A Tikkun is the easy way out. Ultimately, everything has to have a tikkun. That doesn't mean you get a pass to begin with. That's the long, hard way of doing things. So, we have to figure out when he lived. A lot of damage he certainly did, per the list of Chazal. Let's begin the first Pasuk, Perik Yezayin, Pasuk Aleph. Fa'ish me'har Ephraim u'shemai mi'chiyo. Now, mi'chiyo is a very halogen uh, name has many letters from HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name in it. When, if you remember the Chazal, Ushamoy, Yichayah, whenever the Shemoy comes first, that's a Tzaddik. Whenever it says the Russia's name and then his name, he's a Russia. So it's already startling after my short two-minute introduction just now of how much damage this person's going to do and how bad he was. So we have the Shemoy first, and Yichayah is a pretty from-sounding name. So you'll say, it's not a Raya, his mother, when he was born by the Bris, we always have high aspirations and how from he's going to be. And most of the time it works out, and this time it didn't. That's always a possibility. Over here, Chazal have a lot more to say, and he actually started off pretty decent. And it went downhill once he got involved in the Avodah and how he will slip in, we will see over the next few weeks. Take a look at Rashi. Ish Mehar Ephraim. And Harfraim is the middle of the country, very close to where Mishkan Shiloh was, and that compounded the problem. Chazal is going to describe that the smoke from the Kabbonis of Mishkan Shiloh going up, and it mixed with the smoke from the sacrifice, I don't want to call them Kabbonis, in Pesel Micha Temple. And they were a few kilometers away from each other, and the smoke mixed. You're saying, what's the Nafkamina? So Hashem knows both are going on, but when you have the chutzpah to do it right there, and there's no machah, and that's the center of the country, and the good people coming to Mishkan Shilom. So, 
the individuals who made macha, give them credit, but there wasn't enough noise. And it went on for too long, and then it got completely out of control afterwards, and uh, then it was out of sight, out of mind, the north of the country, but they still knew what was going on. So when did this take place, and when did he live? Rashi, again, Ve'ish, so the last two parshas, Pesel Micha and Pelegish Begiva, are at the end of Sefer Shaiftim. Despite the fact that they are, this is a big Machlekes in Mefarshim, but Rashi takes a clear position and we'll work it through. And we're going to go with that, although we'll stop to mention the other possibilities as we go along. We'll stop to have uh, one Mahalach. So even though they're written here, Shal Micha. The last many prokim. It's not a short parsha either of them. It was pretty much at the beginning. And it was around. Kol doesn't say there are a few years that would intersect. Mishkan Shiloh was put up very early. And involving the story of Pelegish Begiv without getting into it at all now, it's a few months from now. But it mentions the part of Yishalayim is still under Yavusi control. And the very beginning of the story. If you remember, you all know the basics of the Pelegish Begiva. He was finally leaving his uh, Shreya's house and he's going with his Pelegish, who he reunited with. And they made Shalom and he's traveling and all of a sudden it's getting very dark. Traveling uh, slowly with the wife and with the goods that the Shreya gave you and the Shreya keeps keeping him overnight. There's a lot to say what went on there just for the <laughs> kept asking him to stay and then finally he left, but it was late in the day. You can't travel at night, it's pitch black. And they were looking for a place to go, and it was there of Shabbos to compound the problem. And uh, the Nair was with them and said, Why don't we just go into this neighborhood over here? He said, Oh no, that's a Yavusi neighborhood. I'm not, we're not going there. It was in Yushalayim. That's pretty early on. So you'll say, Well, they weren't Kavish Yushalayim completely till David Part of that's true, but over here, even less was conquered. And Asniel ben Kanaz is the first Shafid, if you remember. And Yeshua ben Nun, while he was alive, there was no Pesel Micha. That's the good news. And there was no Pelagish Begiva happening, and it couldn't happen under his brain. After Yeshua ben Nun died, there was a temporary void because Baruch Hashem and Yisrael, nobody vies for the leadership, no elections. Can you imagine any other country? There'd be 15 candidates, they'd be having debates, and they'd be uh, gearing up, and they'd be fighting over the position. You had to force every shefer to take the job, and most of them didn't even know they were going to do it until they did it, and this one got a nevuah, and this one was called upon. That's the way it should be. No one's running for the covered. And Osniel ben Kanaz was already the ranking Rosh Yeshiva in Klai Yisrael, and he was also running the yeshiva, and he wasn't looking for more cover to, to be involved in what he didn't have to be involved in, which is the way it should be until you prove Malakam Shainish, you got to do the job. Then it becomes a mitzvah shiyesh which we discussed in Hochus Tamateri yesterday. Tamateri connected kulam, and you got to learn, unless there comes a point where it's clear that for the next two hours you got to fight a battle. Okay. 
So he became the Shefet, and he started having to deal with the Shailas, and he was uh, doing both. Okay, that's fine. But there was a time in between, and then the people who don't want to do the right thing have a Pesachan Peh and a Pesach to say, well, nobody stopped me, and I can get it in over here, and we'll just like start the operation, and that's what's going to happen by Pesach Micha. That's not a taina on anybody, but Micha, the taina is going to be, even without a main shefet, we can't point to you, you, and you, and Shem and Levi, but Kleisel should have, if they're not appointing us Neil Ben Kanaz right now, that's fine, but they should have got this done anyway and shut it down quickly. So Rashi clearly puts both Pesamicha and Pelegish Begiva at the very beginning of Sheftim, and apparently right before the ascendancy of Asneel Ben Kanaz. And uh, we don't find any of the Chazals that it's a direct tie on Asneel Ben Kanaz either, because he just became Shefet when there had to be a battle and he had to fight it and he had to take care of things. And this went relatively unnoticed. Let's see the Pasuk. Vayish Mehar Ephraim Mishmo Michio. Vayemer Leimai. Elef Umea Hakesef Asher. Lukach Lach. Interesting way to start the parak. There is a sum of money, 1,100 coins, which, as I mentioned, should sound eerily familiar to everybody sitting here. Shailiz, did it sound eerily familiar to Micha to give him the message that maybe this is not a good simon? Remember, he's still good now, assuming he is. We'll get to the Madrashim that Micha was in Mitzrayim. And how to fit that in. Because Micha should sound familiar. Right now, it does not sound familiar if you wouldn't know otherwise. It says Micha Maybe it's two different people. It might be. And it might not be. Because he's soon going to be called Micha. And lose his Isaias from the Shem Hashem. By and large. And he's going to go off very badly. Is he the same Micha from Mitzrayim that was saved by Meshra Rabbeinu? Loshan, the infant that was Moch put in by the cement because that's what the Mitzrayim were doing after they stopped giving Tevin and they insisted on the quota of bricks and that's when Moshe Rabbeinu came and didn't think he should be taking the job and cried out in pain Lama Hariyesa, which came from a good place but it was still a complaint he got the most serious Musa any leader let alone Moshe Rabbeinu the greatest of anybody with Eridaris but uh, Parshas Ve'era starts with Chaval all the others and the uh, all the other great tzaddikim who had amuna, I call it amuna shleima, amuna pshuta, mashramana plenty of amuna, but didn't ask any kashis. Chaval the avdin zelo mishdachin, and that was the musr that starts parshas veira. And there is a shita in Chazal, and we're going to see it when we discuss micha in the next couple of weeks that. Moshe Ben already at that point was, if not fully nigzer, but already it didn't look good that he was going into Eretz Yisrael as, a, as an Einish or just lack of Siat Deshmaya. Moshe Ben had Siat Deshmaya in everything he did except the personal account that Moshe Ben really wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael to do more mitzvahs that he didn't get. For Averis, we can't really figure out. And we're looking, was it Meimuriva only? Was it Meimuriva the icing? Uh, and was it starting from Lama Hariyesa? Lama Hariyesa came from his care and concern for Klai Yisrael, which is what made Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe Rabbeinu. Let's make that clear. Lamaisa, Kosh answered, and the others wouldn't have said that, and there's a plan, and 
we have had many shirim to explain what the plan was. The plan, the most famous of the Mahalchem, is that the supposed to be there 400 years. It's being shortened to 210. Is there a mentesh aritumah? We have to squeeze in 190 years of pain and suffering into a short amount of time. That's going to look very, very depressing and hard to manage. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, I was sent and things got worse. So Hashem said, there's a reason for that. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, so why do I have to come now? I, don't think, I think I did something wrong. He said, no, you're an honor of you did everything right. There's a reason for it. But that's easy for us to say in 2020 hindsight. And Moshe Rabbeinu complained out of Ava for Klai Yisrael. Lamaisa, we're going to see this all inside, but Lamaisa, Moshe Rabbeinu was looking at them taking infants and putting them instead of cement to fill in holes and bricks and between bricks. That's about as painful as it gets. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, Lama Riesa, the infants didn't do anything. So Hashem said, I'm a chala the kaitzim. Only Hashem could say that. That's why only Hashem did say that. But then Akash Baruch Hu said to Moshe Rabbeinu, and if you want to see Darkei Hashem, which Moshe Rabbeinu would like to see for his own understanding of running Klaizon, he's going to ask later on, Harininas Vodecha. That's all not to see things he shouldn't see. It's because he feels to be an effective leader. He has to, he's the nice and the Lamaisa, apparently, and um, even Akash Baruch Hu's answer later is he can't see everything. And Sadi you'll understand intellectually, you won't fully understand it because it's impossible. You have to know the whole story and everything coming. You'll have no room to think about the present if you know the future and the past. And you'll, you'll be less effective. We always think otherwise. If we just know a little information, we'll be a lot better off. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work that way. And Moshe Rabbeinu did it completely with Shema. Lamaisa, Akash said, you could take one out, you could save one. And he reached in, still a prince. Right? Or Knight Kent's back as a fugitive, but now he's walking around and Pyro can't do anything, let's put it that way. And he saves one. And there's one version of the Medrash that the one he saved is Micha. And it didn't turn out that well, which was the lesson of that's why it was Machal But that is only Hakosh Baruchu's Cheshbenis. And the lesson over here is when you think you could do something better, we might be shown that we can't. So this Micha would be very old, but be a lot older if he's at the end of Shaftim. We just spent 300 years in the last year and a half here in, in Muncie. So he's still old at the time of Sinekanaz, but not that old. He saves right before the Gula in this 40 years, and then the Yeshua Benun. Still old, but it's not 40 years old. That makes a big difference in the Pashup Shad here. I'm just giving you the overview of what's coming and we have to see inside. But it's possible he's the same Micha, which Lashitas Rashi is fine because it happened by the time of a snail Kanaz. He sounds like a young child talking to his mother. He could be he's an adult who's 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. Okay, Yeshua lived to 110, so you have to wait till uh, it was after Yeshua wasn't here anymore but his mother would still be alive also, which makes them both very old, but not 300 years older. So that's choice number two. Either way, Rashi proves, according to Hishita, that uh, Yishalayim wasn't conquered, came out at all, and Pesamicha wouldn't, Rashi doesn't spell that out, Pesamicha wouldn't have been happening had the Pasuk described Kol Shilo, that's Lafuke anything after Shiloh, anything before. And the problem is it says, Kol Yimei Shiloh. Shiloh stood for 300 and 
my years or so. Uh, that's a long time. Kali Meshila is it started very early. Kul is not Ruba Kukula, it's Arashi's learning. So it's, it can't fit in if you start this a few hundred years into Mishkan Shila. That's Rashi's point. Okay, that's the Hakdama of Rashi. Let's just see one more Rashi in Pasuk Bays. He starts talking about the Kesef. So again, the Kesef is eerily familiar. Why? Nobody answered the question. That's how we started the uh, paragraph. It's because 1100 is the same amount they paid the Lila. So, is it related or not? Is somebody from Achleikis and Mepharshim? But certainly there's a remez that this amount, which I guess was a standard large payment for things, bribes and other things, didn't have much siyat in either of these stories. And there are Nyane Kabbalah that talk about Klippus and the like, or Nyane Kabbalah talk about Klippus, and, and the number is significant over there also. So what was attached to this was certainly very negative and lacking severely in Kedusha, had a lot of Tuma and in both stories, it certainly is uh, visible. Rashi and Beis, Asher Lukach Loch, Asher Nignav Mimech, Yesh Ladaima Keicha, Atzurulano, Atzur Mimenu. So he starts talking about some money that was around and that was stolen. Why would he be talking about stolen money? What does he know about stolen money? Well, there are two types of people that know about stolen money. They're the people in the house who are upset because their mother's upset because they had something in the safe and somebody broke into the safe or under the pillow or the mattress, wherever it was, and they stole money and he, they, all they talk about at home, that was their life savings. Somebody stole the money, it's horrible. That's one possibility. And the second possibility is, which is unfortunate over here, but it shows you what the beginning of the struggle was not just about Avadazar, what got him into this mess is that he stole the money. And he heard that his mother, which is a reaction very fitting of the time, still even recently in some cultures within Yiddishkeit, even still today, uh, I'm not saying good or bad, but she gave a klola that... Uh, your ears would be ringing, whoever that Ganav is. And uh, she let him have it. So usually when Ganavim take things, they're usually far away by the time you would want to give the Klala. But the Gemara has a Klal that a Kila Schinam, of a Chacham is dangerous anyway, but Kila Schinam of a person who starts being Makalasam, he's doing a fight with them, but they don't deserve the Klala. The good news is you don't have to worry about it unless you're guilty which case you should worry about it. So she's uh, discussing it with her son. Apparently it's fresh in everybody's head. The money's gone, and they're not rich people. And she's being Makalel, and he's listening to this. So if he was just the son who was very sad the money was gone like the mother, he'd be adding his own clothes for good measure and saying amen. Uh, the problem over here was that he was the Ganav. So he's sorting sort of having a meltdown internally doesn't want to show it because uh, this is very nerve-wracking he knows his mother she's very good at being Makal and uh, he knows that a klala can be chal when it's true and again normally the Ghana of his miles away by now he's sitting there so if you want to know what prompted this very altruistic tshuva heishuv is a gazela so um, 
the uh, Klalas are going to get him motivated. Next Rashi. Vat Alis Kilalt Kol Mi Shiganavoy Vagam Amart Hakola Baznai. He says, I heard all the Klalas he said. I was standing right here. They went into my ears. And he comes to his mother and he says, Ma, I have a confession to make. So he's not going to talk about the cherry tree he chopped down because we're not sure that happened. But just for the Americans here, for La Sabra so a child who feels bad, even if he's motivated by the clothes, he's going to come and tell his mother that I took it and I want to give it back. First thing to say that he... He took it. We'll talk about the giving back in a moment. Now this is actually bad news and good news. The bad news is she's giving clothes and the clothes are now on her son and it's pretty horrible when you realize that the ganav is her son. That might be more hurtful to a good Jewish mother. She's a Jewish mother. How good she is, we'll see. But uh, she's uh, she's going to do with this money. But he feels he has to admit it. But how else is he going to get out of these clothes? And the clothes are dangerous, which they are. It's also dangerous to be a ganav even without the clothes. And he's going to uh, offer to return them. But let's first finish the pasuk. He says, after hearing the clothes, I decide I'm going to return it. I have the money. So, good Jewish mother. First thing she does, she believes in her clothes, and I'm not saying she shouldn't. Clothes can be effective if they're intended to a victim that deserves it. And she realizes, oh my, I just gave a clothes, and my son's the Ganov. I don't want that, especially he's a nice Jewish boy. And, um, you know, the, the, the very bad uh, stories about the mother, they're not stories, they happened in America, but the mother who comes to court and the, her son's the, the head mafioso who's on trial for 68 murders. And, and so what do you have to say for him? He's, he's really a nice boy. So a mother will say that, Maybe a little ridiculous in that scenario, but that's what they say over happened with some very famous names. Uh, he's not a nice boy. You want to forgive him? He got an um, uncontrollable urge, nothing's uncontrollable, to steal money. People in the in their mind, if you steal money that's at home, it's not stealing. That's not true. If you steal a cookie from the cookie jar, you steal some sugar cubes we spoke about, that's not stealing. They're out there, and people know. People take sugar cubes. Okay. So that's not stealing. If the mother has it set aside because she has X amount that she wants it for Shabbos Yantif, uh, you telling her afterwards is Tomel and I'm just partaking of a mitzvah rabba is not going to help you if she's missing half her cookies. And you tell her, I needed a chaznish here. So there is stealing at home, even on things that were prepared for other uses. But to steal cash, no one really thinks is mutter. Certainly not a sizable amount like this. So he did something wrong. She gave a klala, klala's chal. So the first thing she does, she's going to accept his apology and ask for the money back. First thing she does, before anything, is she re- reverses the klala and she gives him a bracha. I don't know much about klalas and brachas, but apparently that's a good idea. 
and you don't want it to be chal, so she's meichol the klala, so to speak. Does that help all the time? I'm not sure. This is, she's not a chachama, certainly not, but the klala was chal already because he was a ganav. Is it so easy to erase that? Okay. So she's hoping that Motruva is required first. You've got to get back the money. And she says right away, Baruch Bani Lashem. That's to give the bracha to reverse the klala. Like something like, oh, I didn't know it was you and I didn't mean you and I certainly don't want it to be you and therefore you should be gebenched. Okay. It's not a taina that she said this. It's almost a natural reaction, but what you don't want and which we're going to have over here is a lady who's very into understanding the full force and damage of klolos and then the positive energy of brachas and yet has very little understanding that avarazara is the worst thing you could do in your life. She's, I'm not calling it superstition, klolos are klolos, brachas are brachas, but type of lady, the danger here is you might start looking into things and oh, why don't we have a little geshka around the house, we're really from, and if you'd ask her, no doubt she would say that and they kept kashras and Shabbos and Yantif was beautiful, and you know a little more mazel, every, every Avedi Vazar at that time said that, and then they went to Minyan and then they did Avedi on the side, so that's what's going to happen over here and that's going to be the story of everybody participating so it doesn't help much if you're machshiv the deeper, which you should on klolos and brochas, and if you start looking around for other such good luck charms and things like that. If you um, ever get in somebody's car and somebody offers you a lift, so first say thank you, and then before you give musr, if you have to say what a nice car, and the car is very nice. Once you get it, it's a new lease, very nice. And then you might want to mention, the car is beautiful anyway, you don't need that rabbit's leg hanging from the mirror. Which you don't, because that's or worse. I've happened to me a couple times. I look up, what's that thing doing here? So uh, one guy <laughs> told me, that doesn't happen every day. He said, no, no, you buy this at the uh, store, it smells good. I said, why don't you buy something that looks like roses or something like that? Rabbit's foot is not a good idea. But people love this type of stuff. The problem is they're usually usher. So he said, I don't really believe in it. I said, if you don't really believe in it at all, why don't you get something else? He said, well, you never know. <laughs> okay, so that's where the Yisadarisa starts. So... It, everybody should get a little nervous to the brachas and the klolas and then the next thing she's going to be uh, giving to some fancy artisan who really knows his business of um, using metal to make an avarazar you'd ask her why it's avarazar it's not really avarazar it'll bring us mazel bracha especially after that klola we want to balance it out and people looking for skulas and all sorts of things this is not a mahalach to say the least but to get into the most serious averas known to klal known to mankind but you have to have the correct tashkaf in the first place. Yeah. No. Well, thank you for reminding me. Actually, I was going to mention it uh, in the shear. Thank you. Uh, the I mentioned it in the night seder shear. So for the navi participants, the, the sefer is actually printed and here now. So if you're out of town, it's in farm stores, and if it's not, please ask them for it. I'm Levada Dishkan. I have a copy over here, and we'll have available in the shul so we bring a few more boxes. And um, the email went out. If you're not on the email list, you can't possibly be online because you wouldn't know any of the Marmar Chemists. So anybody listening over here, uh, we even have some people who uh, 
Uh, usually here, didn't get back yet. So uh, it, is, uh, it is available, and uh, if you don't find it, uh, let us know, because uh, I was actually told right before Shavuos that after Shavuos is going in, uh, so some farm stores are just overwhelmed and have to ask for it, and then they'll get it within a couple of days if you're, if you're out of town, or we can get you one. But yes, uh, I didn't put rabbit's foot material in there because that was painfully obvious. I didn't include every example. I have about 20 footnotes I have to put in since last week for Maradura Bays, no doubt, with all the good questions and comments and why isn't this in here and can we put it in because people don't know about it. And that's fine. That's great, matter of fact. But I didn't put rabbit's feet because that's kind of obvious. That's a superstition and that's what the Isser is all about. That's what I prefaced. A lot of this is going to go under the radar. And when it's in the center of the country in Ephraim near Mishkan Shiloh, it should not go under the radar. And that's going to be a taina. And that's going to be the problem with Pelayish Begiva is that everybody got all up in arms about, literally and figuratively. And that's going to be a bigger kitchen because you're up in arms against an avla against a basavadam, which is the right thing to do. You should stick up for justice. But where were you for a long time with Pesel That's going to be part of the problem. So yes, there were individuals, no doubt, who said something. And um, I'm sure there are people even said, you know, don't go near there. Now that road, that leads to that place, we don't want to go there. Which is a start. And don't send people to give Musa who are going to be sucked into it themselves and start staying for tea. So you got to know who to send. So first thing is don't go near there. But then you got to find somebody to do the job and shut this place down, which is easier said than done. And especially in a democracy as we find ourselves today. So I know this is kind of a broad question, but right? eventually, uh, eventually there's going to be double No, long gone by then. By Shmuel, it's gone. Don't worry about it. That, that's the, it lasts a long time, but not that long. But so they, actually, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> there is part of it is going to be until they actually go into Godless by Sadhayev, but. Their mafarshim deal with how to fit that in, because the pasuk seems to say that it stood while Sheila was here, and after that, it's gone. That's my, my initial reaction. But I, we will have to deal with something to the fact that there are other pasukim seem to say there was some aspect of it either got going again later. Even my Davidamel, Davidamel is going to give this Ben Levi a job, and when he leaves, they're probably not operating. But then when he loses his job by Shlomo, he's going to go back. So there were aspects of it that will be around later, a resurgence of sorts in a bad direction. But for all practical purposes, Shmuel and Avi is, when he is already appearing in the leadership scene, is not going to be around anymore. That's the short answer. It's just that there might be Chayz of once in a while. It was a different kufa when Shmuel is going to start. When they have a king, the pasuk is going to emphasize Ein Melech. That's a big thing here, and the reason the king is here is for Kviyat Datit, which is now used as a negative word. The king is here just to use his strength of the army and the police and the malchus to make sure bad people don't dominate. The Rambam says Lushan is Lishper Yad Risha Yisrael. That's the Rambam's Lushan. Very prominent with Fiskio, but obviously... Yeah, no, there were many other kings who did the wrong thing, and then the new kings, well, their mandate was, go get rid of the old Malchus, and go... Yeah. But the, the purpose of Shmuel is going to start the era of the Malucha, purpose of a Melech, is to have a strong kingdom that it can't be Isha Yosha Beinu. That's... Yeah, yeah. With all the disadvantages, as we described at the beginning of Shavtim, that if the king isn't so good, he's going to use his power in a negative way, and we have plenty of those. Yeravam and Achav... And Shaitan didn't have that problem. Most of the people did the good thing by themselves. 
The problem is when you had some people who weren't and it did damage, there was no king to put his foot down. So everything has an advantage and a disadvantage. And the fact that there is a mitzvah the Ramah Pasan to have a king shows that for the long term, the advantage is to have a king. You need a good central authority. So that, that's important for the contrast of Shmuel versus Shmuel Malachim, even though a lot of things went wrong in Shmuel Malachim under some of these kings, but not under Shmuel. Big Shmuel, with all the problems of Shaul, he was a good king and, and enforced halacha, their own personal issues that we're dealing with, and David Amal, David Amal, Shlomo also. So it's not going to start, that's not going to start for a while, that problem. No, he, he didn't need the army. The people demanded a king. And once the king was there, you need for care. Shaul didn't want to be, and he didn't want the fanfare and thing, and they insisted on it because a king needs the fanfare to be able to strike fear in the hearts of the people who don't want to listen. So that's why you need a king. That's the Rambam's description. Lishper, Yad Vishi Yisrael. After you try to be a Makai of them, and it doesn't work. So right now, it's going to, again, largely be unnoticed all the years of Mishkan Shiloh, maybe a little bit afterwards here and there. And we're not up to that because they didn't build it yet. He's just returning the money. So let's finish the Rashi here. I found the God of you He's right here. And he's going to return it. Problem is, she's going to claim in a very firm way that, well, I uh, come out had yish on the money because I didn't know who took it and who's going to return cash. 1100 is a lot of money. I made a deal that I'm going to be makdishit. If it ever comes back, that sounds gavaldic. The problem is, uh, if you makdashit, you makdashit to the one and only Akash Baruch Hu and to Mishkan Shiloh. And that's not what she meant. Can you imagine? This is, that's what I told you. The Klolos and the Baruchas, a lot of superstitions. She's makdashit, she's going to melt it down and she's going to pay somebody to make a beautiful idol. It's, uh, obviously, she's not only an Amaritz, she has uh, issues, but the severe Amaritzes, because, again, she would say, no, we're from otherwise, but this is going to be a lot of good mazel, and they're not going to steal his money again. Ironically, they're going to steal all the money as it melted down to the thing, and they're going to walk away with the idol later on. So she, they're not going to have that long-term either, of all the things to do with it besides worship. Somebody's going to walk away with it. We'll find that out in Mitzvah Shem next week. Aslochem.